there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, top of the day to you, Wolfgang Klein here on Hi-Fi Radio, a show about high finance. Yes, it is a show about money. Jack Hartle, my wingman, here for the cause. And, uh, well, I got a tweet for you. We have a fellow named Keith Stata on the line with us. Keith, you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you, Keith? Well, it's morning. Mornings are terrible in my world because it's 71 when you work 18 hours a day, seven days a week, and you get to bed at three. Mornings are not my favorite time. Not, not a morning guy. Well, hey, you know something? You work in show business. Uh, you are the owner, correct, of the uh, Highland Cinemas. Um, I know I know your venue as the Kinmount. Uh, we call it the Kinmount Theater, I guess is what we call it. But I'm from Minden, and they shut down our theater in Minden. Actually, I'm from Toronto. Yeah, the, beaver, the Beaver is gone. The Beaver Theater <laughs> in Minden is gone. The Malu in Halliburton is closed, but you have an iconic venue there, and it's a real treat to 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 go to. I'm going to call it the Kinmount Theater, but in fact, the name is the Highlands Cinema. So, if you're up in Cottage Country, up in the Kawarthas, uh, uh, and you hadn't haven't been to the Highlands Cinema, you want to go there. Uh, it is nostalgic. Uh, it is chocked full of memorabilia. So, if you're a movie buff, and even if you're not a movie buff, uh, it really is a treat. Um, yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, I made my debut visit to your uh, establishment. My kids have been there a number of times, uh, Keith, and we ended up watching uh, Jurassic Park. Um, but uh, nice theaters, they're clean, you got uh, funky old chairs, um, popcorn, not bad. I don't know, I spent about 40 bucks on popcorn. Movie tickets weren't bad, I think you charged me about 10 bucks. Uh, but you know, it's, it's amazing that you're still operating because Cineplex, uh, I watched the stock, Keith, and uh, the stock is going lower and lower. Uh, your business, you seem to be pretty busy. Is, is business good? Well, it depends on what you're talking about. Is business good? This has not been as good a year as other years. And, and part of there's three reasons. First of all, the Hollywood movies are not as good. Uh, Hollywood seems to have lost touch with the audience. Um, the other, one of the bigger problems we're finding is in the old days, the big releases were in the summer. And if you look at it now, they release them all over the place. Well, that's fine, but a release in March when we're closed isn't going to do anything for our bottom line. <clears throat> so, you know, you know there's, there's all these problems, and I think people, uh, the illegal downloading has certainly hurt because a lot of the people that used to come on cheap night are probably just stealing the movies because the film companies do nothing to stop it. So there's a whole bunch of issues there. Uh, you, you know, you think you'd mentioned Netflix and so on. I, I really don't subscribe to it. I, I guess you can get it here. The thing is that, I don't know if a lot of the areas in the, in this this region here do not have access to inter- internet. So yeah, we just got it at the cottage. I'm not sure, I'm not sure Bell. how valid it is up here. If it is or it is. Well, it's coming. It, 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 it's difficult to get the high speeds that you need. I think for streaming, whether it's you know for Netflix or even at home from ourselves. You know, we stream our regular TV. Uh, I know my brother-in-law tried to do that up in Port Carling, mm-hmm. uh, and they didn't have the feeds and speeds to be able to get the uh, the content to them efficiently. Well, uh, you know, the, but the the industry of, of film is changing, and it's it's, it's incredible because here we are in Toronto, Hollywood North, sort of, which we also compete with Vancouver. But uh, it's big business. Production of content is big business. Uh, what baffles my mind, and I was looking for some of the numbers, but Netflix investing some ten billion dollars on content creation so a lot of good content coming out you said it's week out of hollywood but certainly netflix is stepping up to the plate big time uh follow them by amazon 
Google talking about creating content, I believe. Uh, Apple, Apple yeah. talking about creating content. And I assume- so, so these are big tech giants that have traditionally obviously not been in the theater business or content business, well, but they're, and, they're and, stepping up. And, and, but I don't think they, the value. their product won't make it into the Highland Cinema, will it? Well, not likely. We're not going to run something that's on a TV station. I, I think part of the issue here, too, is that you've got um, the quality of a lot, like, for instance, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. A lot of the TV stuff that's being made is better than movies, and that's detrimental to the movie industry, too, because when they make movies that aren't up to par and you compare them to stuff like that, then, you know, <laughs> it's not encouraging people to go out, but it still is a night out, and you can't have a night out in your living room. I have a 153-inch screen in my living room, but it's not a night out. So, you know, if you want to go somewhere and do something different, which is what we tried to do here it's not just the movie; it's the whole experience. No, it, it, so. you've had you have a great experience. Yeah, I want to ask you because uh, it's something that caught my attention uh, at the Highland Cinema. It's actually, there's a lot of energy. It's an interesting parking lot you have, a bit of a maze you walk through, but you also have. Is it? Did I see it correctly? A cat sanctuary. Oh yeah, it's two and a half hours a day to feed thirty-seven cats. What's that all about? Well, like, is that part of the attraction? Oh, it, it, you really want to know? Yeah. It's about stupid people who have made animals disposable and don't spay and neuter. If I were running the country, you'd have to be licensed to have a pet. That would be the end of it. And you wouldn't be allowed to have any animal that wasn't spayed and neutered. When I was, like, three years old, we got our first dog. And we didn't have a car. We didn't have any money. My parents put the dog on a boxcar, went to Lindsay to Codlin to be spayed, and came back. That was rule number one. Rule number two was if you get a pet, it's a, it's, an, it's a job for life. And a cat can live 22 years. It's not until you get a new girlfriend and she's allergic to cats or you move into an apartment where they don't allow them. It's, you have to look at the commitment. And, and if you can't do it, then you shouldn't have the pet. It's not, it's not a right. It's a privilege. And it's so expensive now with vets and stuff that, you know, like, holy Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you can't afford it, don't get it. But here they just... They're all over the place. The domestic cats get dumped, and uh, first thing you know, there's feral cats being born. And then uh, in a town like Kinmount, there's probably three or 400. Lindsay, there's thousands. Toronto, there's, we couldn't even count. And there's feral colonies all over the place with people trying to deal with them. The governments, the biggest problem I have is that this is a taxpayers-created problem. It needs to be fixed by taxpayers' money, and yet the politicians, like everything else, they run and hide and don't do anything. So, That's unbelievable. Keith, I love your energy. You said you're not a morning guy. My God, maybe I woke you up. Uh, you, sound, you sound great. Uh, this is Keith Stata online on Hi-Fi Radio. We're talking about show business. Uh, he is the owner of the Highlands Cinema in the town of Kinmount. So if you're up in Bob Cajun or if you're in Minden, even in Alberton, uh, and you're bored and you want to make a little day trip at night and have a little entertainment, the Highland Cinema is is, is, is a must-see. Boy, oh boy, I should be Rick Mercer on this one here, eh? If you're in Minden this weekend, don't forget to stop by the Kinmount Fair. Yeah, but I'm not Rick Mercer. I'm Wolfgang Klein. It's Hi-Fi Radio, and we will pay some bills and get right back to you in a few minutes. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Keith, did that put you back to sleep? No, not really. All right. It reminds so you... me of what happened when we ran the first one. What happened when you ran the first Jurassic Park? <clears throat> well, when we ran the first Jurassic Park, uh, Sony had Last Action Hero, and I remember the booker said, we, we've watched it, it's not what we think it is, maybe you don't want to run it. I said, well, we'll take it anyway. So Sony sent a checker up to count the seats and see who was, make sure we were reporting correctly, and 
we were running Jurassic Park. He got so bored he went out and parked cars for the other movie. And the thing that got me was that on the Monday night, we broke a record. We had one, well, actually for the whole day, we had 1,550 people here. And the parking, it was all over the highway down below. They were at the lumber yard. They were everywhere. It was the biggest mess you ever saw in your life uh-huh. because it rained. And between that and Jurassic Park and the other movies doing well, we got totally swamped. Baida, I shall say, my good friend, Baida. Yes, uh, question for you. Um, film, actual film. You, at your theater, are you still running reels of film, or is it now digitized like everything else? Well, you, there, there are no movies in film. Uh, so, there's the one the guy who did Batman. I can't think of his name. Christopher Nolan. He still loves film, but uh, there's, there's no theaters that I'm aware of that are still set up to run it. We can actually. So what? So what are? So sorry. What are you running, Keith, at the Highland well, it's Cinema? All, it's all digital. It's all so. Are they? And how are they sending you your movies? I guess not physically. You're getting them beamed by via satellite from Hollywood. No, because every time it rained, you wouldn't get anything like the TV station the other night. They're uh, they're sent as a hard drive on Purelator. Oh, is that right? Eh. So and, we ingest the hard drive into the servers. Mm. Well, wow. I still have a 35 millimeter hooked up. I can run a 35 millimeter film in number four. How, and how, how, how many um, th- uh, theaters do you have at the Highland Cinema? There's five altogether. There's five altogether, eh? And, and, and typically, how long do you run a, a film for today versus, say, 25 years ago? Because it seemed 25 years ago or 30 years ago uh, when I was a wee lad, uh, a film would stay in the theaters. You know, a big film would stay in the theaters for, what, six, seven, eight weeks. Yeah. Uh, well, people- first of all, there was a lot of differences back then. There wasn't video that you could buy it and own it. It didn't come out as fast. as I remember when we ran Twister, we opened that when we opened in the spring, and it was still here in September, but... And not, not Pirates of the Caribbean was another one, but the, there was other reasons for that. With Pirates of the Caribbean, everybody thought Cutthroat Island, nobody wanted the print. So we took a chance and took it for four weeks, wound up with it for like three months. And in those days, you had to, a print had to come off to get a print. So if everybody was hanging on for dear life to the movie, you didn't get a print. So it's a little different today, but with with that system, that meant that a theater could run it a lot longer because it wasn't being in the market so broad. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they release so many prints today that, like, when movie prints were released, you sometimes around 2,500. Now they got, like, over 4,000 releases with the digital. So it, it the market melts down faster. I see. You've got, it goes to video faster. Yeah. You know. so, so typically, how long, like, how long did you run Jurassic Park for? Um... I think it was four or five weeks. Four or five weeks, eh? We have book club, on the other hand, for six weeks. Depends on the movie. I guess, yeah, supply and demand, yeah. Hollywood's forgotten the audience. They've forgotten the seniors. The seniors, they don't rush out the first day to see it. It takes them a lot longer to get there, so the movie has legs. Yeah, everyone, everyone else, I think, is looking for that instant gratification. So if you don't see it in the theaters now, you know, within six weeks, you can certainly see it on your big 50-inch screen TV at home. Correct. And that's certainly, you know, affecting the movie industry significantly, more than Hollywood, I think, understands and appreciates. And not not just that it's in print, but it's actually, you can stream it now on Netflix a lot of the time. Well, you know, again, what, what I'm going to say is interesting, uh, Keith. By the way, we got Keith Stata on the line. He is with the Highland Cinema. Uh, I know it as the Kinmount Theater, uh, one of the last standing theaters. How many theaters like yours actually do you think exist in the province of Ontario? Because you're dying well, breed, I'm sorry there's to say. A few. I mean, Oxbridge has a twin theater, um, Bancroft and, or, sorry, uh, Renfrew, and oh, I can't think of the other. There's two over in the Ottawa area. Um, in the Ottawa area, right. that, that's a bit of a... Well, <laughs> Renfrew, and I'm trying to think of the other one. There's another one. Perry Sound still has a theater. What about right. Muskoka? Have you, there's, one in, there's one in Bracebridge. Is there one in Bracebridge? Yep. 
Yeah, right? that's that. Yeah, and there's one in Huntsville as well. So, so Keith, um, have the uh, the consolidators, have the the cineplexes of the world? Because I mean, I think they own. I'm not sure. It's eighty or ninety percent market yeah. share. And they Canada. bought AM, bought AMC, right? Have, have they approached you at all? Are they looking to consolidate your, they, your business? They'd be they'd be crazy to try and invest here because first of all. If you remember back to the days of famous players and, and Odeon, yep. they went out into the small markets like Peterborough and places like that, and then they shrunk back for the reason that the market's not big enough to sustain them. I think you'll find that Cineplex is putting a theater in Midland and, and Alliston and places like that was not the brightest move in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that you're going to, whoever, it's not Allison's not actually Cineplex, it's somebody else, but I think that. The thing is that when they go into these small markets and they're seasonal markets, it's not like being in Toronto where no, you got people yeah. on the street 365 days of the week. And yeah. this theater, this theater, you couldn't afford to build this building and buy the collection to, and make any money on it. It's only because it was something I wanted to play with and I got out of control. So, you know, at sitting here at 71, I'm going to be here like die because you can't sell it. And if you you need and you to take care of the cats, the who's going to take care of the cats, Keith? Well, you got to pay for the cats. That's gotta, for sure. Yeah. So we need people to buy popcorn. Yeah, keep the, the price of that popcorn down, my good. Price, you know, it's great. Look at the margins. I say, my God, water and sugar and some popcorn. Down forty bucks. It cost you how much? A buck to make that stuff. You got to make a buck. Our prices were considerably less than Cineplex. No, they are, they are less. But my goodness gracious, that's a business to but be we in. Have pal. To, we have to feed the bear at night. I. You got a bear there? At the Kinmount well, Theater. The, the bear likes popcorn. <laughs> uh, Keith no, well, Stata. The, the thing is that we're on we're on thirty acres of bush, bordering about a thousand acres of forest. Keith, so the, Keith, the curtains are closing, buddy. Okay. All right, we gotta let you go. It's been an absolute treat and pleasure having you uh, on air, Hi-Fi Radio. Next time I come down, I'm going to physically and personally well, introduce yourself when you come in, and I'll show you around. I, you you know, I'm going to do that, Keith. I, look for, I really look forward to doing that. I'll probably come down next week, a couple of weeks. How long is Skyscraper going to be uh, playing for? Well, this will be the last week. Oh, boy. Well, maybe this Dwayne, week. Dwayne did not draw the audience we hope for. Mm-hmm. Keith Stata, uh, Highland Cinema. Again, if you're in Bob Cajun, if you're in Minden, if you're in Halliburton, you want a night out, take the family, have some fun, a little nostalgia. Actually, a lot of nostalgia. That's the place to go. And, well, continue to support the arts. Uh, it's all part of Hi-Fi Radio. More of the show coming up right after this. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York I wouldn't mind being part of it either. Well, vicariously, I guess I can through my friend Tony Dwyer. Tony works on Wall Street. What a great thing to be able to say. I work on Wall Street. Mind, I wouldn't want to transport myself from the burbs of New York into Wall Street. That sounds like a nightmare and a half. It's almost like that in Toronto, but not quite. I can still drive my car, Tony, to work. Uh, Tony Dwyer on the line. Tony, how are you? Good. How are you, Wolfie? Oh, I'm terrific, man. I'm just a big smile on my face. Uh, yeah. Tony Dwyer, Chief Strategist, Can Accord Genuity. He's a regular guest on Hi-Fi Radio, a show about money. Jack Harlow, of course, here for the cause. And... Uh, 
Yeah, Tony. Well, Jack and I had a bit of volatility this week with our Facebook stock getting pummeled. Um, bit of Biogen. Biogen getting pummeled. Although um, they've both done very well leading up to earnings and, and these announcements, but uh, yeah, certainly weakness this week. So, Tony, you're the big bull on Wall Street. Um, what do you think about Facebook? I know you don't want to get too stock specific here, but it certainly can affect sentiment in the marketplace. Well, let's, uh, it's sort of like the back, uh, the second one that happened after the Netflix release. So you, you're clearly seeing some, some of the risk on that was in the marketplace come off. And it's very deceptive because, as you guys know, um, you know, with the Dow making a recovery high from that January-February decline, with the NASDAQ making a record high yesterday. Yeah, all-time high, Not yeah. every stock is, is actually participating. So we've actually thought that you were going to go through this period of digestion in the market, and we have no reason to change that view. We just think it's an absolute great opportunity, not necessarily for those stocks, because you know I don't comment on individual stocks, but for the market itself and for investors in a, in a higher volatility environment, that ultimately is a gift, because you get to buy great stocks with uh, better valuations. Yeah, well, look, I, I believe, and, I, and Jack believes, uh, that Facebook uh, being down somewhat 18, 19, 20% is a buying opportunity. It's a relatively inexpensive company. Like, what company can grow sa- revenue, grow sales at 30 plus percent? Mark, not happy with that. Yeah, when it's a $500 billion company plus. Yeah, 30% sales increase, not earnings increase. It's, it is a gross stock. Uh, it so, remains on trend. Uh, it's on sale. Uh, it's interesting to see when stocks go on sale, people don't buy them when they're on sale. Often they should. Hey, Tony, let me ask another question. I want to ask you this. This is a tricky one that Jack and I talked about uh, on our cab ride uh, to the Chorus Radio Studios, where Hi Fi Radio is housed. Yes, it's housed here. Um, uh, machine trading. Uh, I read just the other day that some 90% of uh, activity on the New York Stock Exchange is driven by machines, not humans. Only 10% of activity is driven by humans. Uh, what does that mean? Like when Jack and I put in an order to, say, sell our finning, which we did this week, uh, is that a machine trading that or is, is that a human entering that order? I think it's human. I think it's me. Uh, like no, how would that, how would that be counted? Well, I think you're making the decision, but a machine may be executing that decision. So it's important to remember that generally machines are doing it, but the human is is creating it and driving it. Right. So when they say 90% of trading is done by machines, that's not really accurate because it was initiated by a human. 90% is executed by machines. Right. Because I was on the New York Stock Exchange floor a couple years ago when I came down to New York to see you at our oil conference. Um, And uh, again, they said, you know, 15 years ago, there were 6,000 employees on the on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, shoulder to shoulder, craziness, paper flying, yelling, screaming, and now it's about 600 people. So staff count down 90%, and yet volume and trading activity going up, and yet driven by algorithms. And the, 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 other, the other thing you have to think of, too, is high-frequency trading can be a lot of the volume, but it's very short-term trading, right? They're not making long-term decisions. They're just skimming little pennies. They're doing yeah, half cents. Correct. So that okay, is machine driven. So we could do a show, and we could get wrapped up on, you know, if that's good or bad, and it's not relevant because it is. What's relevant is if that if that machine trading creates higher daily volatility, that is to the advantage of the people listening to this show. And because they're humans you know, that can look at it logically. Dislocation. Yeah, yeah. You, it creates dislocations or inappropriate pricing mechanisms that can be taken advantage of. And then that's where the, the investor can benefit from what's perceived to be such a negative thing. And then you look at Tony's fundamental backdrop, which we go back to, and we're in the middle of earnings right now, which are obviously the, uh, the driving force behind stock market prices. Uh, what are you seeing this quarter, Tony? Because they, they look pretty good to us. 
Well, Jack, I'll tell you, even though Facebook is down almost 20% on its earnings release, the yep. earnings are, are uh, you know, as my kids would say, this is bananas. <laughs> it's so it's such an unbelievable thing. To give you an idea, 85% or about 85% are surprising to the upside this earnings season. That's a new record since records have been kept in, since 1994 on earnings surprises. So you you have earnings that are, gonna, are now uh, up, up over 22%. They're going to be up over 22% for this quarter, and by the time it's all said and done, it's probably going to even be more than that. Amazon hasn't reported yet. So you, you have <laughs> over 20% for the second quarter in a row. Guess what? The next two quarters are going to be 20%. And so therefore, so, the, the market should rise by how much, Tony? If earnings are up 20%, 20% bud. <laughs> that's it. So if earnings are up 20%, the market should up 20%. If earnings are flat, the market should be Flat. Right. And if earnings are down and at some point they will roll over and go ne- you know, negative growth, the market will go down, go down. Right. So here's the, here's something really important for the listeners. This is with all kidding aside, because this is a fun show and we goof around a little bit. All kidding aside. The only thing that matters is the direction of earnings. If the direction of earnings is higher, the market goes higher. So you can have nuances, and you know I get I get pegged as a permable because nobody remembers what I was like in 2008 when earnings were going negative. If you get negative earnings, and what creates that, guys? Yeah, inversion of the inversion of the yield curve, which is created by an inversion of the yield curve. Right. So that is the key to the universe when it comes to investing. The keys to the universe on Hi-Fi Radio, where we goof around a little bit at the same time and talk about money. Tony Dwyer on the line. The man has his feet on Wall Street. Very powerful, uh, very knowledgeable, and, well, he's bullish. And, you know, some I'm wolfish. On Hi-Fi Radio, I'm going to pay some bills, get right back to Tony Dwyer right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is AM radio after all. Taking some stereo and playing in the AM. Mono. Uh, hey, Courtney, tell me something. Uh, Courtney's our producer. Uh, AM radio, has it ever gone stereo? Or has it remained mono? I think it stays mono. It stays mono. Yeah. They were talking once, I think, about that, about getting uh, 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 stereo on AM. They're also talking about digital radio back in the day, none of which happened. And then the world digitized. And boy, this digitization of the world, it's phenomenal. I got get some interesting guests coming on just talking about uh, disruptive technology and uh, artificial intelligence and connectivity of it all. Spoke a little bit about that with Tony, who is on the line on Wall Street. Tony Dwyer talking about machines trading on the big board. But don't forget, it's always driven by humans. Um, Tony, 
Uh, going beyond the broad marketplace, let's, let's go sector specific here. Because uh, for the longest while, you've been keen on banks, you've been keen on technology, you've been keen on um, uh, what is the third one, Jack? Technology. Industrials. Industrials. Industrials, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so do, do you remain, uh, from a strategic point of view, recommending to your clients to remain overweight those sectors? Yes, through until the yield curve inverts, we're going to be um, we're going to be overweight. What we call the productivity trade. So the issue that's making the Fed raise interest rates in the U.S. is better than expected economic data and higher core inflation. So they're worried about inflation heating up. If you're a company, how do you combat that inflation? Well, you invest in capital spending for increased productivity. If it costs you more per worker, you need to produce more per worker. Banks finance that. Uh, through lending or capital markets generation, they get they they make the cash available for that. Industrials implement it, and technology is the brains behind it. So those three sectors are the place you want to be. Brilliant, 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 Tony. Um, let, let's 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 get down to something else here in terms of the bond market. Uh, rates rising. Um, you're going to ultimately affect the yield curve. Uh, is, is this the time to start to look at the, the bond allocation and increasing it, or uh, stay underweight bonds and overweight the equities? We will continue to be um, underweight bonds. I don't see any reason whatsoever to be levered into the bond market here. Maybe um, a little, uh, just at this point in the cycle, even if it has a lot further to go, which I, I do believe. You've, you've seen most of the gains behind you in the credit market, so I see no reason to, to really have an excessive exposure to credit. Mm-hmm. So let, let, let's, let's get it from your mouth to our listeners' ears. Uh, an update on Donald Trump. Um, Jack mentioned to me uh, two days ago, I was out of the office, two days ago, uh, just a little uh, headline uh, came across the tape that uh, there was somewhat resolution going on with trade talks. Yeah, European trade resolution that got the market up, I would say within a half an hour on Wednesday, I think the market was up about 150 points to Dow, Dow Jones, about 150 oh, yeah. points it on was, that news. It so. was an unexpected rip, and it was it, what was interesting about that day was even though you had such a big move up, just uh, only two-thirds of the market were above their 10-day moving average. So you're, you're not seeing this broad you know, move higher. It was a pretty selective thing based off that news item. So, um, you know, again, you're going to see some choppiness on this trade tariff in the Donald Trump tweet. Nobody knows what to expect with those. But ultimately, the only thing I can continue to pass on to, to you guys and the listeners is you want to try to ignore it once it happens and remember what drives the market is earnings and that is directionally way higher yeah the market honestly feels like it's a like a coiled spring right now like all this trade news and noise it seems like it's discounted but it doesn't want to go higher until there's some sort of resolution or some sort of you know light at the end of the tunnel we saw some with europe we'll see what happens with nafta and china but i think if, if you can get that that trade noise and news behind you i think the market will really go and that's based on that earnings right well, that's our call, too. As yeah. you guys know, our, we have the highest target on the street for the S&P 500. I haven't seen anything, nor do I expect anything to change that through the year-end. We're still looking for double-digit growth in the S&P from this very moment to the end of the year. So what is your earnings number for the S&P right now, and then I guess the multiple on that? Our earnings number continues to be $160 yeah. a share for S&P operating earnings. Um, consensus is a little bit above me, so I'm actually a little conservative. There's no way that you would have to have an economic catastrophe 
because remember guys we're we're now seven full months into the into the year optimism on the consumer level the small business level and the CEO level of big companies is still very high so I don't know what would create an environment where you would have that 160 number be wrong so where I'm going to be wrong or right is if the multiple in our the, we just believe that the multiple that started the year we should end the year and and what was that multiple you say was it 17. It was 20. So oh, was our, 20. our target is 3,200 for the S&P 500. It's 160 times a 20 multiple because that's how we entered the year. And just for the listeners, the multiple on the market is how much the, the, the market or individuals participating in the market are willing to pay for those earnings. In other words, yeah, yeah so at 20 times. Earnings, it's the yeah. price to earnings multiple. Um, let's go. Let's stay on Trump for one uh, another 30 seconds here, uh, Tony. Uh, my... My opinion, what I believe to be taking place is Trump is really uh, playing, and he's playing very effectively, but he's playing during a period of the midterm elections. And I think come next year, January, February, trade talks are going to be on the back burner. What do you think? When do we get through these trade talks? So we got through a good chunk of it yesterday. It was kind of interesting because we got the news item that really lifted the market and enthusiasm, and it was interesting. There were no direct things that actually took place. They just talked about not doing anything further, no trade warrant while they're talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's going to be an ongoing process, Wolfie, it's gonna, and, and Jack. It's going to take some time, probably through the next month or so, where you're going to have a lot of good volatility uh, because of it. But again, um, it's unlikely, even when you think of Europe, it made, the way that the president made it sound was that there was going to be no deal and it was going to zero. And then the <laughs> next thing you know, they're kind of hugging on TV yesterday, <laughs> the market's ripping. So, you know, that we know Donald Trump. They wrote books about it, the art of, you know, the, art of the game or the art of the war, whatever. Art of the deal, yeah. The yeah. art of the deal, sorry. So yeah. we know how it's going to go. <laughs> this is not like rocket science. The guy comes in hot, negotiates, and frankly, he's done, he's done a pretty good job of getting... I, 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 he's no, coming, I you know what? He's coming from a position of strength, and I think that's, why, that's part of the reason why he's doing so well. Yeah. Tony Dwyer, live from Wall Street on Hi-Fi Radio. It is our privilege to have you on air with us, uh, and I really, really appreciate your valuable time. I wish you a good weekend, my good friend. Coming up next, we're going to talk about oil with Simon Ackett. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Life would be sunny. Back after this, you're listening to Hi Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It sounds like it is. But this is easy. Hi Fi Radio. A little easy listening. A little easy listening, Jack. That's all. Hi-Fi Radio Show about money. Hopefully we can put a few ideas into your mind and hopefully it turns into a little bit of extra money for you. And if, you know, if you're ever confused, you can always call Jack and I. We're always happy to talk money with you. We manage money. We manage over a couple hundred million dollars, so we know what we're doing uh, quite well, as a matter of fact. You can always go to our website, WolfgangKlein.com. Uh, oh, and by the way, yes, indeed, it's a hot summer day, but uh, I will be sleeping on the streets of Toronto uh, November 15th for Covenant House. Uh, I have a big goal because, well, we have a big audience in this such I'm hoping that you're going to help us out for the cause. Go to Covenant House, Wolfgang Klein. I'll be uh, one of the executive sleep out. Uh, I need your help. I really do need your help because the kids need your help. Uh, so please donate, be generous. Uh, we'll help you make that money back on Hi-Fi Radio. Simon Ackett has some ideas for us. Sound a little risky, mind you, at the just before the break, Simon. You're talking about Colombian 
oil. My goodness, there's enough oil in Canada. Why Colombian oil? Like it sounds geopolitically risky to me. Well, we, we've, we've seen uh, some egress issues in Canada. So on a relative basis, Canada has been tough with all the pipeline issues. And when you look down south into Colombia, it's an area that institutional investors have been very comfortable with over, you know, 10 plus years um, investing down there. There are a number of Canadian listed names that have exposure to Columbia. Uh, the bellwether being Parex. Uh, Parex had some interesting news um, uh, in the past week talking about you know selling one of their bigger assets potentially and, and turning into an exploration company, a smaller version of what they were. But we like all of these names because of their Brent exposure, their growth profiles, and incredible netbacks in the region. Explain to me, Brent, sorry, explain to me Brent exposure. What does that mean? Uh, they have something called Vasconia. That's the blend that they sell. And that pricing is based on Brent. It's priced off of Brent. At yep. a, you know, but Brent, Brent, trades, Brent doesn't trade in North America. People, we, we in North America don't consume Brent. That's European oils is sort of what I'm getting at, correct? Uh, th- that's right. And for the most part, it's, it's localized, and you don't see a lot of... Um, uh, you know, overlap, you know, companies either produce into the WTI market or the Brent market. Vermilion is rare. It gets both. But Brent has been a better performer than WTI. WTI is getting a big lift right now. With Syncrude being down, WTI prices are getting a lift. But Syncrude production will come back on. And we suspect that Brent pricing will improve relative to WTI when that happens. Speaking of Syncrude, you still good with Suncor? Suncor's earnings today were fantastic. I mean, they have such a tremendous buyback in place they're going to use all that free cash flow and give it back to, to shareholders through dividend increases and through buybacks. And they're the ones that can do it best because their asset has an extremely long life and they can sustainably increase dividends over time. Hey, Simon, with that stock, with Suncor, is that a company you think that you can buy today, put away for 15 or 20 years and comfortably wake up Rip Van Winkle and have a good compounder return? Yes, I, I think... I think oil stocks in general need to be traded a little bit. Yeah, we spoke about that. Yeah, yeah. Of their of of resources in general, mm-hmm. uh, but I would say Suncor would be your safest bet. The reason is they have a long life asset in the oil sense, sixty year plus life assets with very low declines and very low maintenance capital, meaning it doesn't take a lot to keep that production coming at us day in day out. So they have the lowest costs over time. Simon, I just want to, low cost producers. Simon, I just want to get back to that Colombian story that you're talking about because you say there's a big opportunity there. Companies with Colombian assets. What's the political landscape in in, uh, in Colombia? How do uh, institutional and global investors see it versus Canada? Because Canada sort of closed the business or closed four business. People are saying is, is Colombia open? Is it more stable? Uh, yeah. I would say that uh, there was some uncertainty going into June, but we had the elections, and now a fellow named Duque is the new uh, incoming president in Colombia. Very pro-energy. He's already met with a number of the energy companies I've heard discussing you know, what they can do to make the environment better. So we have a number of years under his leadership where things will be the same or better for so, energy in Colombia. So, so that risk has been de-risked for the time being anyways? Yeah, there's always some risk around elections in the in these types of countries. But yes, we have at least four years of some some certainty. Well, there's there's risk around uh, elections in Canada too, right? With favorable versus unfavorable governments for energy policy. And you know, on a side note here, I also heard Colombia uh, is getting into the marijuana business and could actually become a very very big player. And I always thought they were in the marijuana business. Uh, well, did you see who that? Yeah, <laughs> there's one player down there called Kieran uh, Life Sciences, and they and they recruited Vincent Fox. Oh, well, 
the ex-president of Mexico. That's right. I remember hearing yeah, about that. I remember hearing that, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's been a lot going on in Colombia on, on many fronts. Mm-hmm. Have you been there before? Many times. I, I started going there about eight years ago, and we had to get you know armored cars to drive us around. And you know, in the past few years, it's really changed. And you know, you're walking through the streets. Uh, it's it's very safe now. It's a very different place than it was is, five, seven, ten years ago. Because I also heard it's a very beautiful country, mountainous and uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. There's many beautiful things about Colombia. Isn't that including, nice? Including the landscape. Yeah. Well, you know, Simon. There's many beautiful things about you, my friend. Simon Ackett, uh, energy trader at Canaccord Genuity, very smart guy, uh, also an energy engineer. Uh, you put it all together and, well, tries to help us make some money. That's it for the show, Hi-Fi Radio, the show about money, each and every week here on 640 Global News Radio in Toronto. Wolfgang Klein, Jack Hartle, signing off. been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. Come and listen to my story about a man named Jed. A poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was shooting at some food and up through the ground come a bubbling crude. Oil, that is. Black gold, Texas. Yes, indeed. Oil. We'll use it. In fact, we use about 100 million barrels a day on this planet. 100 million barrels a day of oil consumed on this planet. And we're supposed to. And it's still rising, too. And rising. And we're electrifying. We're we're more efficient with our oil, but we use more because obviously we're more productive. Well, yeah. And of course, China. Is using a lot more oil than ever. Yeah, um, but we have, we have we have Simon Ackett on the line. He's a uh, institutional oil consultant, salesperson, um, and a very very smart man. And he uh, was uh, he used to work out in the patch. And I have a lot of respect for men who get their boots and feet dirty. Uh, yeah, you did just that, eh, Simon? I did. Yeah, drilling completions and production engineer. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, you're an engineer. Well, smart guy. Um, Joe Farrell, he's a technician that Jack and I have on air often, and he's very, very bullish on oil, uh, uh, Simon. He thinks oil is going to $100 a barrel. Uh, but you want to talk about LNG, liquefied natural gas. And I know when we have um, Rafi on, uh, he is just so frustrated that we're not LNGing uh, enough of our well, nat- he gas. See, he sees it as the markets. energy fuel source of the future, right, going forward. Correct. Or um, right now, LNG in the future. Right. So uh, what's on your mind right now in the energy patch, uh, Simon? Well, we were all hoping for an announcement uh, for LNG Canada to come out of Shell this morning when they put out their earnings, but it didn't come. Uh, but that's fine. They they had some commentary in their in their uh, conference call that was very bullish, suggesting that they're you know they believe there's a huge gap in the LNG market in the early 2020s, and LNG Canada is their most mature project. What they announced instead was a massive buyback, $25 billion buyback. And I'll get into free cash flow uh, later on in the call. But LNG is the major catalyst for all the gas names. Hey, Simon, uh, sorry, just help us out here from an audio point of view. Are you on a hands-free phone right now? Uh, yeah, I'm on a headset. You can't hear me that well? Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, just try not to move around too much. I know you're a busy trader. Buy, sell, buy, sell. Ah! But uh, yeah, just uh, for Hi-Fi Radio, just try not to move around too much so we can okay. hear all of your wisdom. Okay, so um, what I wanted to add, though, on the LNG side was 
Um, you know, it is a huge outlet for our gas. I'm seeing the gas equities technically starting to break out. They're breaking out on volume. The prices are breaking out. We like the gas stocks here. There is a trade that's brewing here, not just LNG, but, you know, a slightly more bullish thesis for natural gas coming into the fall on the inventory front. So, so, so what so, names are you liking? Yeah, give us some ideas. Uh, you know, I, I like the names that have some liquid attached to them. So uh, Birchcliff is one that stands out to me. That stock's broken out. It has about 20% liquids um, and growing. We're a big fan of that management team led by Jeff Tonkin. So that's one. That stock has been, sorry, Simon, I'll interrupt you. A friend of mine in my office owns that stock, and he has a, he has a different name for Birchcliff. I'm not going to tell you on air what the name is. Um, but uh, that, that thing has been crushed. I saw it turn the corner. Uh, oh, sure. It's definitely turned the corner. Remember, they've got a lot of upside from that Canada asset that they bought uh, called Gordondale. We're big fans of the story, so that's one. It, so it just I shows you, that, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt you there, Simon, just shows you how important, with a cyclical stock, how important your entry point is. So if, if you get in at the previous peak, you could be waiting a long time to get that money back. But if you get it in at the bottom, obviously you got the turn and then the, the momentum going up from there. But uh, these cyclicals need to be traded. Correct. Good that's point. Right. Good that's point. right. And then the second group of names would be the low-cost guys, the ones that will always survive. Top of the list is Pato, in my view. That stock's starting to break out. And then Advantage, uh, which has, you know, a bit of liquids and not, not quite as much as Birchcliff, but both oh, those, those three names are, we're, we're big fans. Do you, sorry, do you, to help us out here, help us yeah. out here, just, just to educate myself and the audience. So what are liquids? What does that mean? Because you were talking about well, natural gas here. Associated with the gas comes some liquids, um, usually natural gas liquids, and those command premiums even above where WTI is trading. So despite these, the fact So, so the liquids are worth more than, than oil itself? It, it is, yeah, because it's already kind of refined to, to a certain extent. So it needs less upgrading uh, to get into your car. Hey, but into, uh, so just because of the season, and we were trying to get actually a barbecue company on air, uh, but we couldn't, uh, so we got you instead. Uh, so propane, uh, what's that made from and uh, what's going on with propane prices these days? Uh, propane prices are, are very strong. That's another byproduct of natural gas. It's just a function of supply and demand. So, you know, propane's been, you know, fairly strong. and um, Lots of big know, Napoleon barbecues. Napoleon barbecues would be a good way to play it, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so that's the gas side. But, you know, you were talking about oil, and, and I'll come back to oil, and we are huge fans of oil. I'll go back to those three pillars that we've been saying on air all year. Mm -hmm. Own, you know, for the most part, own oil over gas, uh, light over heavy, and non-Canada. Uh, we said the U.S., but we should have broadened that to say anything, you know, outside of Canada that would include uh, Brent-exposed names like the Columbia names. The Columbia names listed on the Canadian exchange have been the best-performing subgroup of energy in 2018, period. Uh, almost sixty percent year to date. And how about how about Vermilion? Because that's a Canadian name that's been a, a you know very defensive uh, oil name, but it has uh, international exposure and Brent exposure as well. How about that oh, one? Uh, Vermilion is uh, one of our top picks. Uh, they've diversified themselves by buying a little more in Canada in what we see as a fantastic deal for Vermilion. And um, you know they've got exposure in Europe that gives us the upside to European gas. But they're very levered to, to oil. Uh, we like that name a lot. We think that is a very sustainable dividend and a growing dividend story, plus giving you production growth at the same time. Look, lots of good, lots of good ideas, folks. You want to stay tuned. You may want to grab yourself a quick cup of coffee. Come back, turn up your radio. Simon Ackett, uh, energy uh, trader, uh, is on the line. Very, very smart man. And also an oil engineer. But we're going to do what we have to do around here every now and then. Pay a few bills, not much, just a few, and get right back to you and learn more about 
money. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.